The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Here we go again. And thank you for all of your support over all of these years, nine years. Wow, you've really been supportive for a long time, but uh, I appreciate all of you and everything that you do. And today I'm excited to kick off the year with a new and great leader we have in Pittsburgh who is working to help people with disabilities who have significant disabilities, children, not only gain an education, but work towards a quality of life for their future. And I want to tell you, I heard him speak when he won an award. He received an award from Variety, the children's charity, and when he gave up and gave this speech, I'm sitting at my table, and with, he was at the table, but when I'm talking to others, I said, wow, this guy is an unbelievable speaker. He is really a great speaker. And actually, he gave a really good speech about moving to Pittsburgh and why he does what he does. So now you'll get to hear him also. So welcome to the show, Todd Reeves, Superintendent and Executive Director of Western Pennsylvania School for the Blind Children. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate certainly the introduction. I, I hope I live up to the billing today. So, uh, But again, thank you for uh, allowing me to participate in this program. Oh, my pleasure. And listen, for our listeners throughout the United States and later on other parts of the world, I know that there are people, Todd, who do not know you. Um, and I thought maybe you could start by telling them why and how you first got involved in the world of disability. Well, um, as a young child, I uh, received speech therapy uh, uh, while enrolled, uh, upon first becoming enrolled in school as a first grader. And then subsequently, as an adolescent, I was diagnosed with a hearing impairment. Um, so I think that, that kind of experience at a young age um, uh, spurred on my interest in disabilities, and, and I therefore pursued um, uh, an undergraduate degree in speech pathology. And then at the master's level, I uh, studied clinical audiology and deaf education. And then I worked at the Washington School for the Deaf in Vancouver, Washington, for five years as a, both a teacher of the deaf and a, a speech therapist. And then I left that school temporarily um, to enroll at the University of Washington and uh, received a law degree from the uh, School of Law as well as an ed education administration certificate from the College of Education. And then since that time, um, I've just been blessed with some wonderful uh, jobs working in small, moderate, large school districts, as well as residential schools for um, both deaf and, and then this residential school, which is one for blind children with uh, other very severe and challenging disabilities. Wow. Isn't it amazing how our own experiences can get us on a road? Sure. Right, and and it was actually, you know, I received the great blessing as a very young child to to really have a personal interaction with a speech therapist that I 
distinctly remember having that bond with that individual, knowing that individual was um, contributing their time and effort to, to seeing a better future for me. And I, I just have that distinct memory as a, as a first grader. Wow. Well, thank goodness for that. Now, here's the big question. Here we are today in a very snowy, snowy, snowy day in Pittsburgh. That's right. Unexpected snowy day. <laughs> this is why best job is weather person, because all you have to say is chance of snow. <laughs> That's right. Or That's partly right. cloudy. Anyway, Todd, here is my question. Why the heck did, I know you moved here for the job, but why the heck were you able to make such an unbelievable move from West Coast to Pittsburgh? Well, um, I had originally made the made the move uh, after working again five years at the at that school that I had originally started at as a teacher of the deaf and a speech pathologist. But at the at the time, I was the superintendent of the school, and again after having a number of different positions and going to law school as well as um, uh, pursuing uh, different vocational attributes. But uh, I opened up the job search, not because I was dissatisfied with uh, being a superintendent at the Washington School for the Deaf, but I had um, and just uh, adopted a child from, uh, from China who turned out to uh, have Usher syndrome, which is a um, syndrome that's marked primarily by congenital deafness as well as coupled with a visual condition called retinitis pigmentosa that ultimately results in, in deaf blindness. So I had kind of thrown open the, the job search to really ideally look at uh, a combined school, one that was a, a school for the deaf and blind. But at the same time that I'm throwing open the job search for uh, schools for the deaf and blind, I received a call from um, uh, a firm that was uh, looking to secure the superintendent position of the Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. And uh, through that conversation, I became just um, entranced with the opportunity that existed basically because of what the mission of the school was. It's, it's uh, history and its reputation as just a, a, literally a blue-ribbon school um, for teaching children who are blind but also have uh, very severe multiple disabilities as well. You know, uh, Todd, I have to ask you this question. I heard someone speak the other day. What they were talking about is parents of children with disabilities have a different uh, outlook on life and the world than anyone can possibly comprehend. Do you agree with that? I think so. I mean, I, I, would, I would agree with that, both from the standpoint of being a parent, but also from the standpoint of, of working in a, a large school district in which my responsibilities were to resolve disputes between parents and school districts. And I think um, certainly if you want to resolve a dispute that might occur between a parent and a school district, you have to recognize what the uh, experience is of the parent and that they do have reasons to fear for the future of their child, given, as you well know, the current employment statistics for um, children who become adults and are looking for work who uh, are disabled. Oh, yes, it's terrible. Right. Absolutely terrible. And it does have an impact even on areas that people get involved with, because I know even in the world of epilepsy, parents of children with epilepsy want to get involved in research, you know, because of the cure and different things of that nature. Sure. But I always say, when it comes to my crusade for employment, give me the, the parent of a child with a disability and look out. Talk mm -hmm. about passion. You know, it, it is unbelievable. 
Um, And, Todd, we may have to pick up after break because I don't want to cut you short on this, but would you mind telling our listeners about Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children? Because I'm going to tell you, as I mentioned to Todd before the show started, I had preconceived notions that were incorrect. So why don't you tell our listeners about the school? Sure. Um, this week, the Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children will actually be celebrating its 125th anniversary, having uh, been founded in 1887 here in Pittsburgh. And whereas it originally served a student population that was more prototypical of, of, of conventional school for blind children, which means um, the bulk of its student population was composed of children who were blind with, with no other disabilities, since the mid-1980s, uh, we've enrolled students who have uh, very severe multiple disabilities, one of which is uh, blindness. Um, we have 170 students enrolled at the school, um, serve students uh, who live in the greater Pittsburgh area, but we also have a very comprehensive residential program for students that uh, may not live within commuting distance of the school. Um, again, we do have comprehensive services to meet the needs of of children who have a wide range of disabilities and medical conditions, but we also are very focused on making sure that we address the, the uh, visual needs that our students have um, given that particular area of focus. Um, in addition to teachers of the visually impaired um, that uh, provide very uh, focused expertise addressing the, the child's need for, for visual support, um, our educational teams uh, they include orientation mobility specialists, nurses, speech-language pathologists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, um, behavior specialists, uh, and instructional assistants, and, and others who uh, support our students in a myriad of ways. Um, beyond the people, our services are very expansive. Uh, we provide expertise in the area of cortical visual impairment um, with the addition of, of our staff, uh, in the name of uh, Dr. Christine Roman, who's an international expert in cortical visual impairment. Uh, we provide comprehensive orientation mobility training, um, individualized meal plans for those students who, uh, who have dysphagia and other complications that would result in, in difficulty swallowing, um, power mobility for those students um, who need to learn how to orientate and be mobile in a wheelchair, uh, as independent as possible. Um, we provide aquatic physical therapy uh, in addition to a recreational pool. We have wheelchair clinics. We just have a wide-ranging um, uh, level of services and spectrum of services for children who are not only blind but uh, further challenged by uh, various conditions. And, and many of our students are, are medically fragile as well. Um, and really beyond the, the, the children and the adults who attend or work at the school, I think the story of the, the Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children over its 125-year time span really can't be adequately illustrated without really highlighting the impact of, of individuals who just uh, give of themselves, um, whether they're Board of Trustees members or volunteers or you know, members of the philanthropic community. Um, their impact's been immeasurable. Um, I would just encourage everyone uh, um, that's interested in the mission of the School for Blind Children, the Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children, just to, you know, visit our website. It's at uh, www.wpsbc.org and learn more about the school. And, and, and I have to say that my impact on the school 
has been minimal in comparison to the 125-year time span. Um, my predecessor, Dr. Janet Simon, she oversaw incredible growth within the school, and its reputation really excelled under her leadership. And, and it was during her leadership that uh, the school was, uh, uh, had earned the distinction of a blue ribbon from the uh, Department of Education, which is a, a high honor indeed. And uh, is a credit to not only her, but virtually everybody else that was associated with the school community at that time. And, and my charge is just to carry forward, make sure that we continue to, to reach for that higher bar. Yes, I know, Janet. Actually, she was also on the board of Carlo, which I'm on the board of Carlo University. And, and I know she did amazing things at the school. Um, and I also know we're all excited to have you at the school now to, you know, to take it even further and do even more new things uh, to help children who are blind that have other significant issues. And if you just joined us, we are talking to Todd Reeves, Superintendent and Executive Director of Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. We will be right back to talk more to Todd. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Todd. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Katherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Hi, I'm Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we are talking to Todd Reeves, Superintendent and Executive Director 
for Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children and right here in Pittsburgh. And Scott, I mean Todd, sorry, I wanted to ask you a question. I just started talking about this before we went to break, but if a family did all this research and said, wow, I love this school, Western Pennsylvania School for the, for the Blind, would they be able to come there and have their children stay there during the week, or how does that work? Right. For children that reside in Western Pennsylvania, far enough away such that a daily commute would not be practical or, or healthy for the child, then we have a residential program. Again, it's a very comprehensive program in which we accept, uh, we welcome the children uh, Sunday afternoons from about 3 o'clock on, or perhaps some of our residential students arrive early Monday morning. And then they reside at the school uh, until Friday uh, from uh, early afternoon. We will um, put them back on a bus so that they can be transported home in sufficient time to enjoy the weekend uh, with their family. And do any of these children ever stay there, you know, around the clock or no? No, no. We don't have children that stay here during the weekend. Okay. Um, we want to make sure that they have uh, contact with their parents as much as possible. Right. That's a good idea. Um, okay, my other question. You mentioned, again, we talked about this earlier, but these are children with multiple issues in addition to being blind. That's but But they're pretty significant issues. Is that correct? That's correct. They, they can be very, very significant. Um, our student population uh, at the very early childhood level, in other words, uh, from preschool through kindergarten, um, we have enrolled students at that level who have the sole disability of blindness. And if they have other disabilities, they, they might be mild disabilities. Uh, those students, typically what we want to do is we want to encourage their development and, in, and provide them very intensive services so that their transition to the local school district would be as successful as possible. So that's our mission with children who, at the, again, very young, who may be uh, mildly disabled in other, um, in other ways beyond blindness. We want to make sure that their transition to the public schools is, again, exceptionally good because we do believe that children that can be educated in the public schools should be. Um, and we want to support that. And so we enroll children to give them that additional support and, and extra effort at a young age to see their success in the public schools as, as, um, as, as great as possible. But beyond that age range, and e even within that age range, we enroll students who are blind but have other severe multiple disabilities. So all of our older students are themselves blind but have other very severe complicating disabilities. And again, many of our students have uh, health um, complications that such that they are in, in essence would be um, considered medically fragile. Um, we have other students though that you know might be um, um, have a blindness but have significant cognitive challenges um, without perhaps any orthopedic or, or physical challenges. And then we have students uh, that demonstrate a wide range of a wide range of disabilities uh, across the spectrum. Um, so it, it varies a great deal, but I, I tell you the, um, um, the interaction with, with students um, is without equal in, in terms of my experience. You know, these students that uh, uh, come through our door every day, um, they just reiterate to me, you know, um, the burden of making sure that they have the very best education possible. Um, they deserve the very best education possible. 
in, in, in special education, we often talk about what the court decisions are and what the court mandates and what the requirements are of a school district. And we talk about a, a free, appropriate public education being that, that floor of opportunity. And I just feel very passionate that um, these students, you know, at least the students that I have that I'm responsible for here, uh, deserve better than the floor. They deserve the ceiling of opportunity. They, they uh, command my attention and my effort and my passion to try to provide as much as I possibly can to a very vulnerable population. Um, that's, that's just my, uh, I guess, my uh, emotive response to uh, how important the, the students are here at the school. And I think it's also reflected, other staff would uh, reflect that same sense of passion. Well, you know what? Kudos to you. I am happy to hear that and hear about your passion, but hear about raising the bar and making sure these children are safe and treated equally. You know, I am the chair of the American Association of People with Disabilities, which is a national organization headquartered in Washington, D.C., which I'm very honored to be the chair of. And, and, you know, and on the board with me is Ted Kennedy, Jr., and Cheryl Sensenbrenner, and Tony Coelho, and, you know, all these other people that are sure. either maybe a former congressman or, you know, wife of a former congressman, uh, and then CEOs from different companies. But we are always out there fighting for the rights of children and adults with disabilities, and I'm sure you probably heard about this, but, you know, over a month ago, and this was not at a private school, this was at a high school, a young child with autism that, because of the autism, had a tendency to speak out. Um, the teacher wanted to teach the child how to behave properly and put the child in a duffel bag. And when the mother came to school, that's where she had to find him, in this bag. And the teacher told the mother, well, this is what I'm doing to teach discipline. Uh, and right now the whole community is trying to get this teacher removed. Mm -hmm. But it is hard to believe what can happen to a child if they don't have people at the top looking out for them the way you're saying you do. Right. Well, and I'm, I have to say that, uh, again, I can I take very little credit for uh, the, the work of the school because the staff, the people that interact with these children every day that have been here 25 years, you know, 20 years longer than I have, and I see the work that they do, and I know the passion that they have for um, seeing that child reach their ceiling of potential. Um, and and we don't talk about the minimums that we need to provide here at the school. And that's the beautiful thing about being a superintendent at this particular school. People talk about how much more we can give or how much more we should give to students. And it, it's such a wonderful opportunity to, to see children maximize their potential. That is wonderful. You know, when you were talking about the different types of students, now, do you have students ever who are blind and deaf? Yes, yes, we have uh, dual sensory uh, impaired students, and, and typically the, the students that are both blind and deaf also have, again, other disabilities. And so sometimes their, um, their dual sensory impairment, you know, in, in other environments would be lost, and the significance of a dual sensory impairment would be lost in, in the view of this child as just being globally delayed, globally impacted. And yet I think there are 
we have the staff that recognizes that, yes, this child might have a physical challenge as well. This child might have a cognitive challenge as well. But this child also is dual sensory impaired, and therefore we need to address the needs of, of this child and, and really address the dual sensory impairment. Yeah, well, I think that is awesome. I, I wondered your teachers you have there. You mentioned about the different equipment, like, so you have a lot of assistive technology for various disabilities, is that correct? Yes, yes. Well, you know, our, employee, our employees, they, you know, the, the educational teams, they're really, the, the classrooms, each one of our classrooms is, uh, uh, has a, a certificated teacher of the visually impaired. And they also then, you know, are typically, the classroom has seven students. Um, they'll be two instructional assistants that will be assigned to the classrooms. But we also have all of our therapists that are moving into the classroom, participating in the classroom environment. And so they might have expertise in, in assistive technology, various areas of assistive technology. For example, our speech pathologists, uh, augmentative communication. They would provide some additional supports to children that um, have communication needs who are visually impaired and may have other um, orthopedic issues. And then we have our occupational therapists and our physical therapists that come in with, again, a specific knowledge base about um, the assisted, you know, technology or uh, assistive devices that this child may need to, again, reach their potential. So coming into the classroom is, and embedded in the classroom are experts that can provide this kind of uh, assistive support. Yeah, well, that is wonderful because, you know, without that, really, the child is not going to receive, as you mentioned, the ultimate uh, teaching, the ultimate care, the ultimate ability to reach their potential at the highest level. So that is really great. Hey, everyone, if you just joined us today, we're talking to Todd Reeves, Superintendent and Executive Director for Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. And, Todd, you are celebrating what anniversary, did you say? The 125th. 125 years. How about that, folks? And the website again, Todd? www.wpsbc.org. All right, everyone, check it out. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
Explore the power and beauty in yourself and in others. Tune in to The Stacy Stern Show, enriching you. Every week, Stacy Stern will connect you with men and women who are living and working from a place of passion. Stacy's guests include successful authors, filmmakers, actors, experts, and leaders. You'll hear what inspires each of them, and you'll be turned on to great films, books, and new media. Tune in to The Stacy Stern Show, enriching you, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the show. We're talking to Todd Reeves. Superintendent and Executive Director for Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children in Pittsburgh, PA. And, uh, Todd, I had a question. Um, how, do, how do you get funding? How do make people make contributions? And if someone listening to the show would want to make a contribution, how would that work? Okay. Well, our funding base is uh, one that is derived from very fortunate to receive uh, um, the support of legislators who um, and, and governors who provide uh, public support in the form of, a, of an appropriation from the state as well as local school districts um, that provide additional support so that our students can attend the school. However, our, our public funding, which comes before the state and the, and the local school districts, isn't sufficient to really meet the, uh, the needs of our students and the services that we provide. So we depend heavily on, um, on people in the philanthropic community, um, people that uh, give of themselves and, and, and contribute to the school. And there's a place on the, on the website that uh, is, is listed as people that would be interesting, interested in donating uh, could either donate directly through the uh, through the website, or they can certainly contact uh, me at the at the School for Blind Children and my, through my email, which is r e e v e s t at w p s b c dot o r g, and then I would make sure that it was forwarded on to um, our um, institutional uh, advancement manager, who uh, would be able to make contact with with folks that are interested in contributing to the school. And and I have to say that. It, it, Again, I've had a, a lot of uh, experience in various um, environments for uh, children with special needs, uh, small, mid-sized, large school districts, other residential schools, and there is no place like this, this area in which um, I've experienced just the interest and the passion of, of people that want to contribute to the school. Do they want to contribute to the school's children? Um, we receive... We, we received donations from um, 13-year-old girls who are celebrating a birthday, and instead of their friends coming over to their house and bringing gifts, they have their friends come over and, and 
bring money in lieu of gifts, um, and they send, you know, there are 13-year-old girls that will send us the proceeds of, of what they would otherwise have received through a birthday party. You know, and that is so humbling to, to know that there are people as, as young as that who are contributing to the school as well as uh, ongoing year after year. We have, we have folks that uh, um, feel it, take it upon themselves. Uh, they, they contribute to the school in terms of whatever money they might have. Um, again, for the purposes of, I think, elevating the services of our students so that they know that they're, they're far beyond whatever that, that service would be that would be the floor of opportunity. They, we just have a, a, a population of donors that want to see our students excel. They want to see our students safe. They want to see our students maximize their potential. Um, and it, it's just uh, very humbling as a, as a superintendent to, to realize that exists here in this area. Yes, I'll tell you, this is a very special area and city. There is no doubt about that. Um, and once again, if you're listening and you've been listening, remember, I've had people say to me, oh, Joyce, I can't make a big contribution. We'll take any contribution from $5 to $10,000. So don't ever right. think that something you contribute doesn't count. It does. Uh, and, again, go to the website if you want to make a contribution today. Well, uh, Todd, it seems like you have children who are blind but that also have very significant issues. Correct. In your opinion, what would you say is the greatest obstacles they face? Well, I think for the, for the child who is, um, is blind without any additional disabilities, again, I would say that the, the, the primary issue is it's just, the end result of education and what is, is beyond that end result. You know, what's the employment statistics? And when the, when the unemployment rates hover in upwards of 70%, you know, I just wonder what that teenager who might be blind with no other disabilities, um, what that teenager thinks, what that teenager um, looks to in, in regards to the future, what they see, um, what's on their horizon. And it's tough to envision a bright horizon when the out, employment outlook is that dim. You know, and I, I think Langston Hughes was right that uh, dreams don't die. You know, those unrealized dreams can burn in your soul forever. And I think that's, that to me is the, the biggest obstacle. Um, but for our students that, that are blind with other very severe disabilities, um, you know, I think the greatest obstacles, quite frankly, are, are, are when the general impact that blindness has on learning, but as well as just taking into consideration the essential facts of life. Um, the child who is blind but is experiencing pain because of a medical condition but is nonverbal so that they can't necessarily express where they hurt, how much they hurt. Um, you know, they can't communicate the nature of their, dis their discomfort. You know, and that child has uh, undergone you know, maybe the 14th surgery and whose parents have learned that the child needs another one. Um, with a student population that can be described as you know, in some respects, substantially medically fragile in addition to being uh, blind. You know, in many respects, their daily obstacles are, are sometimes reflected in, in virtually every breath they take. Um, so, you know, again, it just um, it reinforces uh, the um, impetus to make sure that they have the very best education, the very best quality of life um, possible. 
Well, when you were talking about employment, of course, that's what I'm all about. As everyone knows, Mm -hmm. I'm on a crusade for competitive employment for Americans with disabilities. And you're right. It's unbelievable that 70% of the population of people with disabilities are not even counted in the workforce. But with Section 503, Rehab Act 503 coming Mm -hmm. out, once this really goes through, of course, the law was written in 73. It's just never been enforced. Right. Federal contractors will be obligated to target hiring people with disabilities as they do minorities and females and other groups, and that will be the biggest boom to employment of people with disabilities ever. Right. But over the past 20 years, 21 years, yes, you are correct in what you said, and I'm very proud to tell you, I know you met one of my managers at the dinner that evening, Jim Homey. Right, right. right. Jim is a manager in my company, and he's worked for me since, let me think here, 1996, I think it is. He's a manager in my company, and he also manages accessibility. And then I have another uh, employee who is blind, Mike Gravitt, who is our account manager at Bear Corporation, and I don't remember if you met him that night or not. I can't. Uh, but, but in addition to all that, of course, I have found employment for many people who are blind and who are doing a fantastic job. It's just people getting over the stigma of how the heck could they do this job if they are blind. Right. Um, and, and then, as you mentioned, for your the students that you have, it's just dealing with life um and having someone supporting them and helping them, um, because really what you're doing is helping to develop independence to a degree. Correct. And that without that, you know, what is there? there that, that is just fabulous that you are doing that. Um, since we've been talking about education, I wanted to ask you a question, Todd. What is your perspective about the importance of teaching Braille? Well, my perspective is, I would say, heavily influenced by actually blind adults, I mean, who speak out in, in favor of Braille instruction, you know, and as well as uh, something called the National Agenda for, for Educating Children and, and Youth with Visual Impairments. Uh, Braille is, is a part of what they call the expanded core curriculum, and, and it's making sure that there's access to effective Braille instruction um, for children who are, who are blind or visually impaired. We recognize that there are other alternatives now to this, uh, that uh, – an individual would be able to uh, be able to understand the um, the written word through um, some sort of other means, but um, we still I still believe that braille instruction is an important component of uh, educational opportunity that should be available to every blind student. Now, as a parent, uh, I can say that I'm I'm very passionate for um, the availability of effective braille instruction for my own daughter, who's again dual sensory impaired. Um, the when she loses her vision and being deaf as well, uh, there are going to be very limited alternatives to Braille in terms of the written word because she's not going to hear the, the books on tape. Um, so, you know, as a, as a parent, I'm particularly focused on making sure that we provide effective Braille instruction for those that can benefit from it. Um, and, and that, as you had mentioned before, that really informs my um, perspective as, as an educator as well. Well, and my employees have the same opinion that you have, so that's uh, 
that's very interesting. I am a big proponent of that. I mean, there are, of course, other forms that people are using today. And then there is, of course, that phenomenal software JAWS mm-hmm. uh, software. But I still think that Braille is so important, as I said, so do uh, my employees, like Jim that you met. Mm-hmm. Although right. he can use other forms, you know, he's a big believer that children that are not being taught Braille, that over the long run, it, it is hurtful, not helpful. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, that um, it's always good to listen to the voice of the person that has that, that is living the experience. And so as much as possible, I try to uh, borrow from the uh, wisdom and experience of of blind adults who um, um, have an important voice in terms of how uh, education for the visually impaired should uh, proceed in the future. Yeah, that is so true. It's really good when you take time to listen to people that they themselves are going through this very issue every day and how often it is. Even boards where they're making decisions about issues for young people with disabilities forget to talk to young people with disabilities. So mm-hmm. right. I, I, I really am a big proponent of that. Okay, folks, Happy New Year. This is Joyce Bender, and we've been talking to Todd Reeves, Superintendent and Executive Director for Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. Now listen, if you know someone that you think, oh, I wish they would have heard this show, What you do is send them to BenderConsult.com and listen to the show that's been archived. All of these shows are archived and have been uh, since I first got on the air years and years ago. So you can send them to listen to the show. Again, BenderConsult.com, VoiceAmerica.com. World Vision is great, too, if you want to make a contribution to a child overseas. But VoiceAmerica.com or BenderConsult.com. Remember, show's archived and will be forever, and they can listen to the show, and that means they'll be able to make a contribution to Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Happy New Year and welcome back to the show 
Um, this is the last segment of the show, and we started off the year with Todd Reeves, Superintendent and Executive Director of Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. And, Todd, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure being on the show, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, a few last questions. One, uh, Todd, you personally, you know, I know they've achieved a lot, as you said, over the years, but I'm wondering, what is your vision for the school? Well, in some ways, I think that uh, it can be captured well in the, in the theme of our 125th year anniversary celebration. As a, as a cornerstone project, we're constructing an urban trail on our uh, school grounds to support the orientation and mobility training of our students in a, in a very pleasant, natural environment. Um, but a protected one so that we can, you know, instruct them in, in various textures that they will experience on the sidewalks and streets of, of Pittsburgh and in western Pennsylvania. Um, but uh, the catchphrase for our project is envisioning new paths to success. And I think that epitomizes in some ways our vision that we want to always create new inroads for our students as well as all students who are blind in, in western Pennsylvania. Um, and we pursued that in a number of, of different ways already. Um, just a couple of years ago, as part of the, the strategic plan that we're implementing right now, um, we've created an outreach program in which we essentially hire part-time staff to uh, provide supports to children who are enrolled in the public schools and who are blind. And they might be blind with additional disabilities, or they might be blind with no other additional disabilities. And, and in so doing, in, in providing that additional support that a school district may not be able to provide because they can't find that teacher of the visually impaired or they can't find that orientation mobility specialist. In many respects, we think that we're honoring our history. We're honoring the legacy of the school in, in that we're, our attempt is to serve in some way, to meaningfully impact in a positive way every single child in western Pennsylvania who might be blind or visually impaired. You know. Uh, those that have very severe disabilities uh, in addition to blindness, you know, we want to provide an exceptional educational program for them as enrolled students. But if there's a student that's enrolled in the public schools doing well, but we can even provide additional supports to that student, we want to. We want to be a great lighthouse for all children who are blind in western Pennsylvania. So in the outreach department, we think that we're creating those inroads rather than all roads leading to the school for the blind, for blind children we're creating roads that now move out to uh, children that are enrolled in the public schools. But also we're creating inroads for um, individuals that are on both sides of the historic kind of age group that we've served at the school. Historically, we've served children from age two, um, essentially three, to age 21, which is pretty consistent with most schools because that's how we're funded through the federal government and the state government in terms of um, services, mandated services for children who have special education needs. But um, in listening to the strong voice of our parents uh, during the strategic planning process, um, they were very uniform in, uh, in articulating and illustrating in, in, in a very meaningful way, talking about the fears that they have when their, their child is age 21 and, and graduating from the school, but, but graduating um, and not really having that um, that place of a better horizon. You know, they, they work hard. They work ex incredibly hard, our students here at the school. And when they are given our diploma, they should 
have the same bright outlook as anybody else that's worked hard for a high school diploma. But really, the, the adult service options are very limited for um, individuals who are, who are blind and have other very severe disabilities and, and might also be medically fragile. So what we did is we, we partnered with the uh, Community College of Allegheny County. And that's where we think that we want to, we want to really focus our efforts is in partnering with other um, entities, other educational entities and, and social service entities that, that have as their mission to increase capacity. And so we partnered with Community College of Allegheny County, and, and they, their staff come uh, on site here at the school, and we've invited seven of our ten graduates back to the school for an adult placement that is located at the school, and, and we push in, again, all those additional services that we provided to those individuals when they were our students. But they're no longer, even though they're no longer our students, they're quite frankly students of the Community College of Allegheny County. So we're excited about that, and we're providing them that support until the age of 25. So we've expanded the upper age range, but we're also expanding the lower age range by operating a, a child care center on site. Um, we're opening up the child care doors to uh, very young children who might have a visual challenge of some sort, whether it's mild challenge or a very severe challenge. Um, and so on the, the side of the school, then, we'll have a child care program that will essentially function as a blended early intervention model so that children with visual, uh, visual challenges, very young children, will be interacting with other typically developing kids in a, in a, in a good, um, very focused child care program that, again, gives them that leg up when they become the age of three and, and, and are warranted services. Um, so... You know, whereas five years ago we were serving age three to 20, 21, um, we expect in a couple of years to be serving children age six weeks, perhaps, um, to uh, age 25. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's great. You have quite a plan there. And I wish you the very best with everything you're planning on doing. I'm sure you will be very successful for what you're working on. Now, listen, uh, Todd, the last two questions we have asked, every guest that's ever been on the show, and I know the next one is the hardest, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because we like to ask hard questions. Sure. Uh, Fire away. You, you have already, as you told all these things you've done, accomplished so much in your life, uh, but what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Um, well, I would probably uh, illustrate that by... Um, an interaction I had with my grandmother at one point. When I, when I was finishing law school after working for about five years as, the, as a speech pathologist and teacher of the deaf at a school for the deaf, you know, I visited my grandmother in an assisted living center. And while she was touring me around the facility, she would routinely introduce me uh, to her friends as, as her grandson who works with children with disabilities. Um, but at the time, again, I was in, I was in law school. And, and after a couple of hours, you know, and I was feeling that maybe she was exhibiting the effects of, of maybe short-term memory loss, you know, I felt compelled to you know, gently remind her that, you know, I'm in law school. I hadn't taught for a couple of years. Uh, but much to my surprise, you know, she more or less snapped back uh, that what her friends don't know won't hurt them. And everybody else's grandchild was a lawyer, and, and there was nothing special in that, really. And, and that won't get her any envy in the assisted living center. So it was, it was very clear that, you know, um, what my grandmother was proud of me for. And so with due respect to my grandmother, who has long since passed, um, I would have to say my greatest accomplishment was just uh, um, being an educator. Um, you know, 
feeling that uh, that that there's a there's a way that you can impact a, a better life for somebody, whether it's as as an instructional assistant, a speech pathologist, a teacher, a superintendent. Um, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't see myself as accomplishing a great deal. I just know that I've been blessed with the very frustrating opportunity every day to, to bump the top of my head repeatedly against the ceiling of my own potential. And as I said before, I, I hope every child, uh, disabled or not, is, is blessed with that experience as an adult. Well, she made a great impact on you. Yeah, she did. I was very fortunate. Well, listen, uh, Todd, if you had to leave a message for all of our listeners today, what would it be? Yeah, I think I would probably just carry over that, that previous answer and, and simply say that if I could change the way we think about educating children who are blind with or without additional disabilities, it, it would not to simply be for society to be satisfied with providing you know, that, that floor of opportunity, uh, quote-unquote, but, um, but rather strive as, as a society to provide them what every parent wants for their child. And, and that's an education necessary for them to reach the ceiling of their own potential. Um, and in so doing, you know, I believe our world will be better served by people of all abilities uh, just being productive members of society. Amen to that. Well, you know, uh, Todd, first of all, once again, thank you for being our guest today, and I wish you only the very best at Western Pennsylvania School for Blind Children. Well, thank you very much, and again, I very much appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on this show and all that you've done to uh, really um, uh, provide supports to people with disabilities. Well, thank you. Uh, but we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, uh, educator, business person, but someone that has had an impact on the lives of people with disabilities. So it just has to be Helen Keller who said, the highest result of education is tolerance, said Helen Keller. Thank you again, Todd, and thank you to all of our listeners. Wishing you once again a happy, happy New Year, best year in 2012. You have been listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.